Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we begin our time to gather this morning, as we come to learn about the topic of faith and righteousness, I pray that you would please bless our time together. I pray that you would please send us your Holy Spirit to help us to understand what faith is and also how we can exercise faith as well. So Father, please be with us now. Grace us with thy presence. And I pray that you'd help us to focus, to concentrate, and that you might also give us understanding in knowing how to apply these words to our lives. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome, welcome. Well, come with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. We're not going to be going through the whole book of Romans, but actually, the book of Romans is pretty much a whole book on righteousness by faith. The whole book. Um, if we had time, we only, uh, only have six sessions, unfortunately, but if we had time, we'll go through each chapter from chapter 1 to 8 um, to help us to go through this topic of righteousness by faith. But I'm going to be picking select things to help us to understand about this. But um, Romans chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse 17. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. Normally I would get people to read, but because we have a larger group here and it's being recorded, I'm just going to read the text for us. Um, but follow along in your Bibles, please. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. The Bible says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from what? Faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, right? So the Bible here says that if we want to be just, we have to live by what? Faith. Another word for just, if you look this up in the concordance, another meaning for the word just is righteous. Okay? So when it says here, that the just shall live by faith, it's really saying the righteous shall live by faith. So as we're looking at this topic of faith, what we're really looking here at is righteousness and how we can live a righteous life. Okay? How we can live a righteous life. But... This verse really sums up what we have just read in the previous verse. So let's go back and look at verse 16. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So tell me, in verse 16, what is the power of God? Anybody? What is the power of God? It is the gospel. Do you see that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation. So, the gospel is the power of God, but it's only powerful to them that what? that believe. Another word for believe is faith. 
So the gospel is only the power of God to those that have faith. And that's why in verse 17, if we read it again now, for therein the gospel, this is where we find the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Since the beginning of time, men and women have had to live by faith. You know, sometimes you look at the Old Testament, right? And you think that these people were disadvantaged because Jesus Christ had never come. True? We look at that and go, well, we have an advantage today because we see Jesus on the cross. Um, They just had a lamb. They had to kill, right? But do you know that the faith of the Old Testament people is exactly the same type of faith that we need today? It's no different. How do we know this? Come with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. Hebrews 11 verse 4. How do we know that the faith of the people in the Old Testament is the same sort of faith that we need today? Abel, Cain, Adam and Eve, Seth, Noah, all these people, right? They had to have exactly the same faith. So, in fact, when you read the Old Testament and the things you learn there, it's no different to what we have today. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. Hebrews 11 verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was what? He was what? Righteous. Now, do you think Abel was less righteous than we are? Is there a standard of righteousness? Yes or no? Some look unsure. Is there a standard of righteousness? If you're righteous, can you be less righteous than another person? No, right? And it says here what? By faith, Abel, he offered, when he offered his sacrifice, he obtained witness that he was righteous. And God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So Abel in the Old Testament was righteous, And if he was righteous, that means his faith that made him righteous should be the same as ours today, right? The just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Jump down with me to verse 7. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. As we're just doing a little introduction here, looking at this topic of what it means to live by faith. Hebrews 11, verse 7, by faith who? Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of what? The righteousness which is by faith. I want you to understand that as we're looking at the topic of righteousness by faith, what I want you to understand is it is impossible to be righteous without faith. Okay? It is impossible to be righteous without faith. And so what we're going to try to look here at is how can we have faith? 
Because if you have faith, you have what? Righteousness. Okay? If you have faith, you have righteousness. The faith that Abel had, that Noah had in the Old Testament, the faith that they had in Christ, it had to be in Him and nothing else. Because the Bible says there's no other way that we are saved. Come with me to Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Go ahead. So we're building a foundation because many people look at righteousness by me having to do something. We have this, I believe even especially as Adventists, because we emphasize the law so much. We, we have this understanding in our mind that in order to be righteous, and I've taught this before in my era as I've been studying this out, honestly. The word righteousness means what? Right doing. Who does the right? Who does the right? But, one of, but usually, you're right, Pastor Hansen, because we've been looking at this, but usually when we think righteousness is right doing, who has to do the right? Who, who, no, say more specifically. No. Me, right? But the Bible does not say that. And we're going to go through this. Don't worry, I'm setting up a foundation. I'm going to come back to this. But what I wanted to show you at this point is the faith of the Old Testament people it was no different from the faith that we have to have today, okay? Hebrews 11, we saw that with Abel and who else? Noah. Noah. The Bible there clearly says they were righteous. But it was because they had a faith unto salvation through Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, are we all there? Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given today among, given among men whereby we must be saved. Look, if that text applies to the people today, it must also have applied to the people in the Old Testament, true? So in other words, the faith that Abel had, the faith that Noah had was in who? It had to be in Jesus Christ. Christ himself. So no, the people in the New Testament don't have an advantage of the people in the Old Testament. In other words, you can have a clear picture of faith just from the Old Testament, just like the New Testament. There's no difference. Or else Abel, even Cain, who I believe in all accounts and purposes is lost, he might have an excuse. True? But the faith that was revealed has been the same faith that was revealed from the beginning all the way up to our time. You see that? Too many of us think we have to run the race of faith in our own strength. That is the toughest. Christ begins it, but it's up to us to maintain it. Have you thought about it like that before? Christ begins it. He's the author of our faith, right? But it's up to us to make sure we stay on this path of faith. It's almost like how many people say it's so hard to do right. Have you felt this way before in your Christian life? That 
it's so unsatisfactory. Why? Because every time we, we think we're on this right path, suddenly we get hit down and we sin. And we commit that thing that is bad. And it's almost as if we have to reset and start again. Our faith, isn't it? But come with me in Hebrews, back to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6. Paul, he makes a very interesting statement here in Hebrews 11. Verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had the testimony that he what? He pleased God. But without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Look, without faith. Every good thing a person does is not good enough. Do you see that? Without faith, everything that you try to do is good and you think is good and that human being might say that's good is not good enough. Come with me in, in your Bibles to another text. In the book of Isaiah, I want to show you a text. Come with me to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. How can we continue to have victories in our spiritual warfare? How can we continue to have spiritual victories? I hope that you're seeing that even as we do this introduction, what as we look at the element of faith, really what we're looking at in the long term is how we can have victory over sin. Okay? This is all that our faith has to deal with because it's righteousness by faith. I'm not looking at faith just so to convince you to believe, but this faith must lead you onto righteousness. And if you're having righteousness, you're experiencing what? Victory. Right? In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Our faith. Do you see how central and important faith is? And the fact that many people are not experiencing victory tells me one thing. What do you think it is? We are not experiencing faith. Because if we were experiencing faith, we would be overcoming the world. And what's the world? 1 John chapter 2. Let's go there. 1 John chapter 2. Let me come with you in the Bible there. And verse 15 and 16. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of 
the world. Look, if you love the world, if you have the world in your heart, it means you don't love who? You don't love God. You don't love the Father. And if you don't love God, guess what? John 14, 15. John 14, 15. <laughs> okay, calm down, Karina. <laughs> John 14, 15. Are we all there? The Bible says, if you love me, you should do what? Keep my commandments. So, you got to follow my train of thought. We saw in 1 John 5, 4, if you are born of God, you overcome the world, right? But if you love the world, you don't love who? You don't love God. And so if you don't love God, you're not doing what? Keeping the commandments of God. And guess what? What are the commandments equated to? Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Am I going too fast? If I am, you can tell me to slow down. I'm sorry. I feel in my heart I'm going very slow already. So when I get excited, I tend to speak fast. Psalms 119, 172. What are the commandments of God equated to? All right? Psalms 119, 172, the Bible says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are what? Righteousness. So a person that is not keeping the commandments of God, they are not what? Righteous. But the reason why they're not keeping the commandments of God is because what? They don't love God. And the reason why they don't love God is because of what? They love the world. They have the world in their heart. And that's the, the reason why they have the world in their heart is because they're not what? 1 John 5, 4. I know you have to overcome the world, but in order to overcome the world, you have to have what? Faith. For this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Many people focus too much on the commandments of God without teaching faith at the very beginning. If you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. If you don't have faith, it's impossible to overcome the world. If you don't have faith, it is impossible to be righteous. No matter how good of an Adventist home you grew up in. Are you with me? No matter how good you thought you have been, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. This is why it is so necessary to have faith. That it will lead to this ultimate result of victory over the world, keeping God's commandments. You can be declared then righteous. But here's the question. How does the power of God work in a man? to change them from that which was bad to good. You know, in order to do that, 
in human words, it's an impossibility. If someone comes up to you and say, so-and-so, how is it that you're such a good person today? Well, let me tell you, bang, 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 bang. You go through these steps, perfect, you'll be right. Do you know the Bible says this is an impossibility? To be able to tell exactly those steps. Because everybody's testimony is different, isn't it? But come with me to John chapter 3 and verse 8. I'll show you this. John chapter 3 and verse 8. How does God accomplish this work in our hearts? The Bible actually calls it a mystery in Ephesians. But here in John chapter 3, verse 8, you know the story of Nicodemus? And had Jesus told him, you have to be born again. And then Nicodemus acted dumb, and he said, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? And then Jesus made it very clear, right? You have to be born of what? The Spirit and also the water. But then Jesus continues from verse 6, 7, and then verse 8, he describes what born of the Spirit is. Because many people know what it means to be born of water. What is it? Baptism, right? Many people experience baptism, but even though after they're baptized, they're not experiencing righteousness. True? So Jesus knew this, and He didn't emphasize on born of water anymore. He decided to emphasize the born of spirit. Verse 8, are we all there? The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So Jesus likened the work of the Holy Spirit to what? The wind, okay? And do you know where the wind comes from? We try to, you know, when I was young, I used to go like this. And you thought, which way is the wind blowing, right? But it says what? You hear the sound, but you can't tell when it's coming from. So in the same way, that is way of everybody who is born of the Spirit. Or same way of a person who is born again. Born of God. That ultimately overcomes the world because they love God. And as a result, they're keeping the commandments of God. We know the end product, right? But how? It's very hard to describe. Even Jesus kept it a mystery. The work of faith in a person's heart cannot be pinpointed exactly in this is the steps of how the Holy Spirit works. Now, you might be thinking, well, this is the first thing. I mean, how can you not know the steps, right? And then how are we going to share with people? How are we going to overcome? Well, let me ask you this. When Peter was on the boat and he saw Jesus walking on water, right? Peter said what? Bid me to come out to you to walk on water, right? And what did Jesus say? He just said, come. Right? Now, turn with me to Romans ten seventeen very quickly as we're about to look at this illustration to help you to understand John 3, 8. It's very difficult to talk about the workings of the Holy Spirit, okay? We know its source, we know its result, but give you a specific order, very difficult. 
Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? So, let me ask you, did Peter hear the word of God? What did he hear? Come. That's all, right? He just said, come. So he got out of the boat, and he began to walk on water. Now, let me ask you this question. Can you tell me scientifically how Peter was able to do that? Yes or no? Of course we know it's by faith, right? But did the water become ice? Did like rock come up from underneath the water and it looked like he was walking in water? Can you tell me how Peter walked on water, anybody? No, right? So it is with the work of the Holy Spirit. How God transforms a man from being bad or evil to being good and righteous. We all know that it must begin, and it's a product of one thing, faith, which depends on what? Depends upon the Word of God. And must continue to look upon the Word of God. Because when Peter began to walk on that water, okay, and he was looking at Jesus. And then he began to be a bit like, wow, this is pretty cool. And then he began to look on the sides and he saw what? Waves. The boat rocking back and forth. And he lost sight of Jesus. And then he began to sink. Come with me to Galatians chapter 3 and verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians 2 verse 20. Look, some of these texts, they're not new to you. It's just, I believe many of us, if maybe not all of us, need to have a recalibration of what we think about faith. I'm going to tell you, in 1888, the first people who began to preach broadly about the message of righteousness by faith, it was these two men. I mentioned them in my introduction on the stage. The names were A.T. Jones and E.J. Wagner, okay? A.T. Jones and E.J. Wagner. They got up in this council before the Seventh-day Adventist council, and they began to teach these people about what they had discovered about faith. And you know what they did? You know what the Adventist Council did? They rejected their message. You know why? Because it sounded very liberal. I was like, what? This is not what I have believed all my life. They rejected this message of righteousness by faith. How a person can be righteous by faith. Because it sounded too liberal to them. Okay? During the course of this whole seminar, and you have to understand, we're going over six hours, okay? So your question of how the commandments and all of that fits in, it might not be answered today or even later on today. It might be answered tomorrow. But I don't want you to throw it out or, or even walk out of here thinking, oh, this is how it is. I don't need to keep the commandments of God. You'll get an unbalanced view of how to exercise faith, Okay. So you got to make sure you come for all these sessions or you will go out thinking just half of what faith really is. 
But are we all at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, that means my human flesh here, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The only way that we can live this life is by the faith of Jesus Christ. And if you come with me to Revelation 14 and verse 12, the Bible gives a very clear understanding of righteousness by faith. Revelation 14 and verse 12. Galatians 2, it said what? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not me who's living, it's who? It's Christ who lives in me through what? Faith, right? Are we all at Revelation 14 verse 12? The Bible says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that what? If you are keeping the commandments of God, what are you? You're righteous. And you have the faith of Jesus. Righteousness by faith. But let me say it again. Too many times at Adventists, and I've been guilty of this myself, we focus too much on the commandments and not on faith. And we go, I have to do it. 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 I got to stop sinning. 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 And this, we just pound ourselves with this understanding, not realizing that, that, yes, we have to do that, but in order to do that, you have to focus on that, which is faith. Do you see that? We have to focus on faith, not the commandments. And this is why many people fall short of having victory. They fall short of focusing on Christ. Instead, we focus on His commandments. Any questions so far? I just want to show you this first session, I just want to show you the importance of faith in our life. Yeah? So, when Peter walked on water, it wasn't him that was doing it, right? I mean, it, it was him that was doing it, but it really wasn't him. It was who? It was Jesus, right? If Jesus didn't say the word come, the minute Peter stepped into the water, he would what? Sink. True? So, even though Peter was the one that was walking on water, he had exercised faith, but it, even then, it wasn't him that was doing it. It was the power of God that helped him. At that time, the gospel to Peter was, come. Okay? Romans chapter 1, verse 16. 
For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is what? The power of God to salvation. At that time, the good news, which is another word for gospel, the good news of Peter was, Jesus said, come. Okay. And the gospel and his faith in it enabled him to walk on the water. Do you see that? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30. Hebrews 11 verse 30, the Bible says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, after they were compassed about seven days. Why was this written in Hebrews 11, which is the great hall of faith, right? Why is this written about the walls of Jericho falling down? Come with me to Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Romans 15, verse 4. Why was this passage about the walls of Jericho coming down because of faith? Why was this written? Romans 15, verse 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for what? Our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have what? Hope. Right? So, the walls of Jericho falling down because of faith is meant to inspire us with hope. Do you have to walk around anybody's house today and make it fall down? Anybody? Is this a reason? Oh, okay, I like this verse. Let me walk around my enemy's house seven days. I mean, should, are we ever called to take on fortified cities and fight wars now? No, right? I mean, literally, no. No then why was this written? Come with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Sorry, I I do have the verses on my my iPad there, but uh, sometimes I forget how long it takes to turn to your texts. So I'll turn with you. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. The Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So when the Bible talks about literal falling of Jericho, it's meant to inspire us with hope and courage that we will be able to overcome what? Spiritual wickedness in high places, not flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers of the rulers. You see that? It sounds like we're we're about to attack a city, right? Against the rulers of darkness. So Jericho falling, as you read it in the Old Testament, is somehow meant to instruct you how we can overcome Jericho of Satan. 
Do you see that? And you'll see this in Hebrews 11. Let's go back there. Sorry, let's first go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 3, 4, and 5. Going along the same line of attacking, fighting, for 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. That sounds like Jericho, right? The weapons of our warfare are not made of human hands. For the pulling down of strongholds, we have to be mighty through who? God, verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What I just wanted to show you from 2 Corinthians there is that when we look at these physical structures in the Old Testament, Jericho, Babylon, how the, the Red Sea was parted and the River Jordan was parted, these are literal things, right? By faith, the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea. But all of this is to serve for us one thing, how we can overcome what? the spiritual world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If we have loved the world, the love of the Father is not in us. And you know, in Hebrews 11, it mixes these two things together, literal and spiritual, over and over again. Let me show you. Hebrews 11, verses 33 and 34. Hebrews 11, verses 33 and 34. Okay? Hebrews 11, 33 and 34. Notice this. And you know, you've probably read through Hebrews 11 so many times, but yet faith in itself on how to exercise it and the importance of faith has probably not stood out yet. We're going to get to Hebrews 11, verse 1, which is the definition of faith. Don't worry about that but not until we've gone through some illustrations, okay? Hebrews eleven thirty three 33 and 34, the Bible says, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Can you give me some people who through faith subdued kingdoms? Who? Gideon. Gideon, right? Who else? Samson? Sorry? David? Joshua? Right? Jericho was Joshua, right? So, who through faith subdued kingdoms? What's the next part? Ob uh, wrought what? Righteousness. That's a spiritual. Obtained promises. That's spiritual as well. Stop the mouths of lions. Who's that? Daniel. That's physical though. Do you see that? Verse 34. Quench the violence of fire. That's physical, isn't it? Who quenched the violence of fire? Okay? Well, they didn't really quench it, but you know, it didn't touch them. That's physical. Escaped the edge of the sword. Oh, that's many people in the Bible. Right? David was one of them, of course. 
Out of weakness were made strong. That's spiritual. Waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. <laughs> That's physical. You see, what Hebrews 11 does there is it mingles the spiritual and the physical. The stories in the Old Testament, Ellen White says, were written more for our time than for those who lived during their time. <laughs> Why? That we might have an understanding of how to exercise faith. Do you see that? Yes, you can learn about faith from the walls of Jericho. You can learn about faith for, from Noah, who wrought righteousness and Abel, believe it or not. Not many of us focus on the story of Abel, do we? But all these lessons that were physical in their time become spiritual application for us today. Okay? Any questions? Just about what we've been looking at so far. Any questions? I just want to show you the importance of faith. The importance of faith. The importance of faith. Many people look at faith, but it wasn't the center of their focus. You know, Ellen White, she wasn't an artist, but there was an artist that painted the beliefs of our Adventist faith at the very beginning. And at the forefront of this picture, you know what the most, what the most prominent thing was? Has anybody seen this picture before? It was the law of God. Okay? Years later, Ellen White's husband, James White, had the picture amended. And you know what was the most in the forefront? Pastor Danson? It was the cross. Before, the first picture had the cross here, off in a distance. But do you know the second picture that Ellen White saw, that James White he, he got it amended. You couldn't find the, Lord, the Ten Commandments anymore. All you saw was Mount Sinai. <laughs> it wasn't even the, uh, a picture of the law there. The Adventist church, if I could say in a sense, were very legalistic at the beginning. And when A.T. Jones and E.J. Wagner began to preach about this righteousness by faith, their minds could not comprehend it. Simply because they had been in a different era, in a sense, of fighting, of establishing the, the Sabbath. And so the law of God was so prominent. But yet faith was dimly understood. Here's our quote that we'll be looking at a lot in these sessions that we have. Review and Herald, this is what RH stands for. October 18, 1898, paragraph 7. So you'll have to write that down if you want to find um, this quote in the future. But this is what she says. The knowledge of what the scripture means when urging upon us the necessity of cultivating faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired. In other words, as a Christian the most important thing that we have to first learn 
is what? Oh, 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 it's not faith. (laughs) Cultivating faith. When you think of the word cultivate, what do you think of? A farmer, planting, right? How do you cultivate? I'm not an expert in that. I know the concepts behind it, but I think I over-cultivate and I kill the plant. But what is cultivating? What do you mean to cultivate this plant? Nurture it? What else? Okay, what do you do? Let's say for a seed and you drop it in the ground, what do you do to cultivate it? Hmm? You got to water it? What else? Fertilize it? And then that plant grows, right? And then what do you have to continue to do to cultivate? Pull out the weeds. What else? Huh? You need sunlight, of course. What is this? What do you mean by that? You have to prune it. Maybe not a flower. Okay, maybe I'll give you the bad illustration, but like a tree, right? To cultivate it, you have to help it to grow. And this is the most important lesson that we have to learn as Christians. How to cultivate our faith. Come with me to Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. This is how important faith is. Romans 14 and verse 23. If you missed the Bible text, don't be afraid to just raise your hand and go, sorry, what was that again? Romans 14 and verse 23. Okay? The Bible says this, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is what? Is what? Sin. Sin. Just when you thought that talking about the commandments of God was the most important thing, because, you know, that's our definition, 1 John 3, 4, right? If you rate the law, you're committing... Hmm? 1 John 3, 4, you guys don't know that off the top of your mind? The Bible says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And as evidence, we like to focus on the law, <laughs> because we want people to stop Sinning. But in Romans 14, 23, it says, Whatsoever is not of what? Faith is sin. So should we focus on the law first, or should we focus on faith? Now you can say confidently, isn't it? Because it is righteousness, or keeping the law by faith. So it doesn't matter how much you talk about the law. It's like, it's like opening the door of the the prison, for the prisoners to see the outside, but they're still behind the bars. Let me show you what freedom is all about. But you're standing there looking at freedom through the bars. And that is what you're doing when you tell people about the law of God and not faith. Do you see that? This is how important faith is. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So we're going to be looking at how can we exercise faith? Where does it come from? 
What is faith? We'll be looking at all these things. So, you know, instead of looking at a definition first, I thought I'll give you an example, okay, that will help us to understand clearly what faith is, all right? Many people look at Hebrews 11, and I'm telling you now, if you're repeating that text in your mind, faith is, okay, many people are confused about what it really is. I was confused about it until I started studying this out. But let me give you a definition, okay? An example. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to be looking at a story. Matthew chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 5. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. This is a story where Jesus gives us a very clear definition of faith, okay? Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Verse 6, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Isn't that great? If it was me, I'd be like, wonderful. Please, come, quick. Right? But what does this guy say? Verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under, uh, under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And I say to this, and to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found what? So great faith. No, not in Israel. So then, when Jesus declared, I have not found such great faith, no, not no in Israel, like what Jesus saw here, what is written here, gives us an understanding of faith. What is it? What is it? The centurion wanted something done, right? And Jesus said what? I will come. And then the centurion says, well, that after what? No. I'm not worthy that you should come to my roof. But then he says what? Speak the word. Finish it for me. No, 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 no. Speak the word only. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Remember I showed you in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. Speak the word only, 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 and my servant shall be healed. Faith has got nothing to do with us. Faith has everything to do with the Word of God. The Bible, sorry, is a book of faith. 
The problem with the Israelites of old, when God said the Ten Commandments, after he finished speaking the Ten Commandments, what did the Israelites say? Everything you said, we will do it. (laughs) That's got nothing to do with faith. Speak the word only. And that's enough. Was the servant healed? Absolutely. What did it take? The faith of the centurion to believe the word only. That's it. There's nothing else. I'm going to give you a definition of faith here. I'm going to keep revisiting this over and over and over again. Faith is the expecting of the word of God to do what it says and the depending upon the word of God to do what it says. Okay? Faith is expecting or the expecting of the word of God to do what it says and depending upon the word of God to do what it says. That's all. That's all. The word and the word only. Nothing else. Nothing else. Just the word only. I'm going to go through examples of this. But unfortunately, I've been signaled to stop. So uh, (laughs) I thought we had 15 minutes for question and answer. I'm sorry. (laughs) I looked at the schedule, but I guess they want to give you a 15-minute break. Um, But we're going to come back and keep looking at this definition, okay? So don't worry. You might think it's my definition, but it's not. I got it from somewhere else, all right? Faith is the expecting the Word of God to do what it says and the depending on the Word of God to do what it says. Don't worry. If you're confused about this definition, just write it down. It's two parts, expecting and then depending. We'll come back to this when we restart again. But before we close, for this first hour, any questions? Yes, we'll go through illustrations. We'll go through illustrations. It's just my first session. I had my notes prepared for the first session, stopped short. So I've started the second session here, but we'll continue on with it. Okay, so don't worry. Any questions though? Have I confused anybody about faith? Or maybe the recalibration of what you're thinking about faith here is struggling a bit, like moving a big boulder, right? I've, I've been thinking this way all my life. And I'm telling you, I struggled with the Word of God so much. And I had to read and reread and reread again and again. It's like, are you sure? You know, because it's, it's changed my faith. And that's why, you know, I thought, if this is what I've been believing for so long, could it be that maybe my brothers and sisters have been believing this way for so long as well? Because the truth shall set us free, right? And one of these things is faith. It's been setting my mind free about what I've been learning here. But any questions about this first session? It was just about showing you the importance of faith and not the law. Don't worry, I'm not doing away with the law, but I want to magnify faith and not the law. Yes, Dr. O. Going back to John chapter 3 on how the Spirit of God works, uh, it, the 
says that you can hear the sound of it, but you don't know when it's coming. Yes. So you can see the effect. Of Absolutely. It. Yeah. So we know the spirit works when we see the effect. Yes. Yeah, we don't know where it comes from. And the effects of that is love, joy, peace. Can you see a person who's peaceful? Oh, yeah. Can you see a person who is gentle or patient or kind? Absolutely, we can see those effects. But how to describe it in your heart and, you know, how it's working, that's for the Holy Spirit just to work in your heart. Yeah? All right, so let's take a 15-minute break, and then we'll come back. But before we do that, let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, may you please continue to guide us as we study these, these words, and especially this topic of faith. Help us to gain a clearer understanding and an insight of what it means to exercise faith and what it means to expect and to depend upon your word to do what it says and nothing else. Father, we want to know how to live by faith that we might experience righteousness. So please, Lord, continue to guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.